Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events. Welcome to the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Here, we settle into the murky, tangled, and freaking hard parts of life to restore our relationship with the self so it can ripple out to the people we love, the work we do, and the world around us. If we can't fix what's wrong, then our grandchildren inherit it. In order to fix what's wrong, we have to talk about it. And we can't move that conversation forward if we're not willing to be real about where we are now. We have to push on the edge of what it means to connect. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong. I'm here to guide you through a series of radically honest conversations about what it means to be truly human in all of its messy, beautiful, hilarious, and heartbreaking glory. In our collective effort of looking inward, we're starting to do the outward work of reconnecting the world. While these discussions will guide you into the connectfulness practice, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. If something in this episode touches you, reach out. That's where you initiate the ripple that restores relationships. You can learn more about my connectfulness counseling practice and our collective for therapists in private practice at connectfulness.com. This episode is brought to you by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a simple, secure EHR platform for therapists in private practice. It keeps you organized and creates a container for all the details that run your practice so that you can focus on what really matters. Use the promo code CONNECTFULNESS and get two months free when you sign up at therapynotes.com. Today, we're talking to Maya Luna. Maya is a feminine mystic and a poet exploring the tantric path and feminine embodiment. She brings both timeless wisdom and playful intuition into her modern teachings. She blends Tantra and non-dual spirituality studies, and she guides both women and men back into the current of erotic devotion that is both our birthright and our blessing as human beings. So, (laughs) I'm thinking that the best way for me to introduce you to Maya is actually to play for you one of her spoken word poetries, with her permission, of course. This is an invitation to welcome all of yourself to drop into this conversation with us today. You. Yes. You. All of you. Your chaos and your madness. Your foolish nonsense. Your fearless magic. You are welcome here. Your passion and your eros. Your red fever dreams. Your resistance. Your doubt. Your power wild and uncontained. You. Yes. You, your fist of rage, your bottomless grief, 
your heartbreak bursting out at the seams, spilling out in messy floods of inconvenient feelings, yeah. You. Yes. You. Your oceans of confusion, your terror running deep, your river of longing, your precious illusions, even if it makes you look foolish, even if it makes you go mad, all of you is welcome here. Your brain tangled with neurons, firing wild impulses from the dark forest of your unconscious. You are welcome here. The twisted vines and purple fog of melancholy in your heart. Your bloody, messy, crazy love. Your fears. Your desires wet with unrequited lust. Pushing and stretching to be expressed. The lies you told yourself. Your deepest regrets. The mess of never getting it exactly as you had planned. You. Yes. You. Your awkward stumbles. Your shaky knees. Your hunger for some meaning. You are welcome here. Your flaming hatred. Your tender, broken faith. Your need for control. You are welcome here. Your untainted innocence. Your will to rise again. The pain you try to hide. You are welcome here. I want every part of me touched and seen. I want to be as big as the universe and as tiny as an insect. I want every contradiction, every disproportionate feeling, every chaotic thought to be met right here. I want to writhe and howl and groan with the deep root of life. I want to be held with such soft sweetness that this fragile ache of need finally opens and lets go. I want to be known as a depraved and holy animal, as consciousness, as infinite, as flesh and bone and skin. I want to roll on the ground and slither. I want to scream. I want to kiss where my feet have been. I want to cry and need I want to explode and hold this ancient pulsing groan of ocean that lives in me. Right here. Meet me here, where the paint touches the canvas, where the past is dead and dangling, where the future is a vacant space. Right here. Where this unfolding moment is the refuge of the heart. Right here. Come with me. You are welcome here.
Maya, thank you so much for being here with us today. Mm, I'm so happy to be here. (sighs) I have so many different directions that I'd like to take today's conversation, but I want to just let our listeners know that I was first introduced to your work in the form of poetry. Mm. And later got to experience you as a teacher and a a guide. Um, And there are so many different aspects of your work and your teachings that I want to share today on this this episode of the podcast. What I really want to talk about is that subtleness that takes us from the toxic feminine or masculine to the deep, what you call the deep. Some might call it the divine, but I love that you call it the deep feminine or the deep masculine. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yes. Yeah, I think that this world is really ready. I think that we're all hungering for a different way of being in this body and being in this life that has depth and soul and meaning. And um, we're all so, so, so hungry for it. And it's interesting you talk about my poetry and it's, it's wild for me to witness what of my writings become the most popular mm-hmm. because I never know. You know, I never, I never know which ones are going to be really, really big and which ones are just going to kind of like eh, pass in the night. And um, the ones that people seem to be so, so enthused about and hungry for always seem to be about the deep acceptance of who we really are and going beyond image and going beyond performance and going beyond these kind of um, shallow you know, self-improvement and image-based success, hierarchy, climbing the ladder and just dropping down and in and meeting ourselves in the exquisiteness of this moment. Mm. And um, to me, that's such such a, a big part of what the deep feminine is. It's the meeting of the self. Yeah. And of this moment and of existence, you know, really receiving it, Mm -hmm. deeply receiving it. Yeah, I think we're all very hungry to receive. Mm. To Mm. surrender into that receptivity. Yeah, exactly. That's where nourishment happens. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and scared, I mean... I don't know if you want me to just launch into this right now, but okay. (laughs) So in my experience, um, you know, I, a a lot of my work with the deep feminine um, and opening people, not just women, but men as well into what I call the deep feminine current, um, you know, we have to confront um, the hyper masculine way that we've been conditioned to experience reality. And I talk about patriarchy, not as a a system where, you know, big, bad men are oppressing women, but patriarchy, meaning that for the last 12,000 years or so, our our planet has swung very far into a masculine paradigm. And that includes the beauty and the power and the blessings and the light of the masculine, as well as the shadow and the toxicity of the masculine. We're all literally 
deeply conditioned to masculine values, masculine way of perceiving reality, masculine way of being embodied. We're so out of balance. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about that fear of letting go, that fear of surrendering, that fear of softening into the suppleness of embodiment and of the moment, which is where the deep feminine lives, it's our masculine that's really afraid because our masculine conditioning has taught us that we have to keep doing and controlling and making life happen. And if we don't, we're going to die. And it's exhausting. You know, it's like we're all so burnt out from our, our achieving and our pushing and our, the rat race, right, of being alive. And it's my deep belief that without that contact with the deep feminine, it's like we're running ourselves ragged. We're dry. We're depleted. The feminine is the, the soulful nourishment of being. I've heard you also refer to the nectar. Yes, exactly. The nectar of being alive. And so when the masculine, which the masculine is that part of us that's the linear doing, right? When that part of us is in service to that deep surrender, that nectar, that soulful aliveness that's here in every moment, um, it's life-giving, right? It's creative. It's inspired, you know? I have this quote written down in one of my journals from some time I spent with you. It's really short, but I'd like to read it. Oh, I would love that. To taste the nectar of the soul, we have to slow down. Slowing down is part of the technology. You want to talk into that a little bit? Mm. I love that you said that. Were those my words that you quoted or was that your own? I have no idea. <laughs> I, it was a transmission that I received in your presence. Totally. I don't know if they're your words per se. Or well, it's beautiful whatever. and it's, I completely agree. <laughs> I like to use the word technology um, because it's true. There are these um, technologies that we have access to with our own body and our own consciousness that open up these gateways, these portals, and slowing down is absolutely one of them, right? When we slow down, we can meet something in ourselves. It's almost indescribable, um, and it's not necessarily a physical slowing down. It's a slowing down inwardly. It's like literally creating space between your moments. And in that space, there's this richness of intimacy with something that is indescribably beautiful. We can call it God. We can call it the self. We can call it being um, all these things that we have a lot of concepts for that we like to read about in books. and <laughs> But it's like it actually is available. Right there. And, and slowing down is such a key. And, um, you know, another big part of my work uh, that has to do with the deep feminine is that, and this is where Tantra comes in and it's like, you know, 
there's this big debate, like Tantra is about sex. No, it's not about sex. It's all about sex. Well, it's kind of about sex. Like, is it about sex? Everyone's kind of confused about it. And the way that I see it is that, you know, Tantra is a, a yoga of meeting the moment with nakedness, with aliveness, with intimacy. And what's so interesting is that all of these ways of all these technologies of being in the body that make lovemaking a profoundly nourishing deep experience such as slowing down mm -hmm. right such as breathing such as feeling such as receiving such as surrendering all of those technologies that that transform lovemaking from just a gross, dense level experience to a, a, a spiritual, nourishing, life-giving experience, those can also be applied to our moment-by-moment -moment experience in life. Walking in the grocery store, driving our car, talking to our children, right? It's like everything that makes lovemaking divine also can transform our experience of the moment. And in that transformation, what we show up with is a different presence. That's right. Exactly. And that's where I would, again, call in the feminine. The feminine is being, right? The masculine is doing. And there's nothing wrong with doing. Doing is beautiful. I mean, look at, look at the incredible things that we've created in this world from our doing. You know, it's beautiful. But without being, we're, we're kind of spinning in circles. We're not actually receiving life. You know, my experience, Maya, of, of this is that it's an unraveling. It's like mm. if we just do in one direction and we don't slow down, mm. then everything gets so tense. It gets so tangled and yeah. uh, tight. Okay. And, and in the slowing down and this being, Mm -hmm. there's that's the space that you're talking about that's the subtleness that's the it's an unraveling that's how I experience it like everything just starts mm. to create more space for ease and and space to possibly maybe even shift perspective yes yeah I love that you use that word unraveling that's exactly right we have a lot of holding and tension patterns mm -hmm. in, our, in our control and we're very tight, you know? And um, again, we can use the analogy of lovemaking. It's like if you've ever tried to have sex from a tense, agendaed, you know, <laughs> controlling place, it's like it's not very good. <laughs> it doesn't feel very good, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't open us into that beauty. And sometimes it doesn't go very well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of male and female clients who talk about, you know, the, the need to perform sexually, how that kind of shuts everything down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If we don't bring the feminine into our lovemaking, um, it's a very dry, very, very, very dry. Yeah. So um, talk to us about the supple. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted, I felt inspired to say one more thing about the unraveling. So and I love that you say that because it's really important because when we slow down inside and start to feel and start to unravel and start to open, 
and start to um, align ourselves with this deep feminine current, um, often the first thing that we'll meet is grief. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the reasons why we avoid it. Yeah. And that is part of that toxic masculine programming, you know, that we're supposed to be kind of tough and have it together. And the truth is that to be alive is to grieve, you know, and often our grief doesn't even necessarily have a a story. It's just the grief of living, you know, grief is, is the, is the way that we love inside of impermanence, you know? Can you say that again? Grief is the... Grief is the way that we love inside of impermanence. Mm. Like grief is the only reasonable human alive response to this world of impermanence. It's so natural. It's so essential. It's so um, (laughs) (laughs) non-negotiable. Right? Like that you're not, you know, you can, you can repress your grief, but it's not going to go well, you know? So that, so that fear of grieving or that, that fear of confronting the grief can often be what keeps us in that masculine, hyper-masculine loop of doing and resisting the slowing down and unraveling. And I might even say that that fear is also what tangles up more. It's what makes it more contracted and hurt more. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, so the, I think this is the point where a lot of listeners might be thinking like, so then how do I tap into that grief? What do I do with it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. (sighs) Ah. I want to start just by offering that one of the first things I I think of there is be a witness to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? That if we just start by noticing that that grief exists. Yeah, and I think, you know, reframing also, there's a way that we can think of grief as despair you know, which is quite heavy and intense. And I like to think of grief as um, love. I know. Can you say more about that, Maya? Well, if we didn't love and we didn't care, we wouldn't grieve. Mm. You know, so to let that grief open the heart, to let it connect us with our, our loving you know, there's a sweetness to it. There's a, there's an honoring of life inside of it. And so as we connect to the grief, we're also going to feel so much loss, mm-hmm. right? That tenderness, that, um, mm-hmm. the places where we've built walls to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think in, that's another reframe though. It's like the truth is that everything is constantly changing. Constantly. Loss is constant, you know, just because of the nature of existence and this impermanence that we live inside of. 
Mm-hmm. People come and go. Our children grow old. You know, um, life circumstances shift and change. You know, the life that we're living now is not going to be the life we're living forever. It's constantly changing. You know, and so it's like when we think that grief has to be this huge, heavy thing. Like, oh, it's supposed to go this way, but it's not. And you know, and I'm sad about that, or I lost this. That it can be quite intense, and and maybe even make us like want to hold on tighter, you know, to like get it right. But when we accept that it's just inevitable, that things are going to keep changing and that we love and we lose and to just keep loving and keep grieving through all of that, I think it it's like it normalizes it, you know, like it's just becomes a way of life, right? It almost makes it all more seductive. What do you mean? Well, to stay in the process, right? That mm. That there's this constant transformation. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be so full of fear and scariness that. Yes, that's it. It actually makes the grief less scary when we turn towards the fact of impermanence. Mm -hmm. Because then we're just like, okay, this is how it is. (laughs) And that's, that's the doorway to surrender. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's one of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we 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 want to think we've got it all under control, and the truth is we don't, <laughs> and that no one else does either. Yeah, yeah, and there's something beautiful about that vulnerability. You know, mm-hmm. the the fact of our vulnerability in the face of existence is exquisite. And um, one of my tantra teachers would say that that's that's actually the gateway to true power to accept deeply the fact of our absolute vulnerability in the face of existence because that gives birth to the power that isn't that doesn't come from control right and clenching right it it's gives a, birth to the power that is of just being in your that's right yeah yeah the power that just is mhm so I'm I'm thinking of two of your poems right now. They're both kind of coming to me right now. Mm-hmm. One is <clears throat> your rec- the recent one that you published, the Crone piece, mm. which um, has I don't, how many people have been liking that? Like how far has that reached at this point? Oh my gosh, I think it's been shared like twenty thousand times that I know of. And, <laughs> and how many languages are you translating it into? <laughs> Well, I know that there's one in French, and then I've got a few people telling me they want to do it in Spanish and Italian, and yeah, it's been incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I can only imagine what that feels like to to experience your work touching so many. Yeah, it is. It is incredible to feel like, you know, people around the world. Uh, one, one woman told me, that she read the poem out loud to the mountains in Lebanon where she lives. It's just like, oh my God. You know, it just gives me chills. Incredible. I read it out loud to my husband and again to myself. And um, it's interesting, right? (laughs) There's there's so much that, um, would you read it for our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
I just want to presence that like there's a shifting of gears here. <laughs> there's a huge shifting of gears. And I, you yeah. know, I think the other the other poem I was thinking of is All of You, uh-huh. which might not be as big a shift. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do acknowledge that we are shifting gears here. But I, I think there's also like this, the energy kind of feels. Impermanence, know. baby. the beginning of this interview and the tone is over and we love it and we grieve it and we open to the new tone that's coming in which is much more fierce (laughs) i I think the connection point though and i think this is the part that drew me into this is the power it's that seed of power right that we we just were kind of like starting to talk about what that's like and now i think we're gonna show more Mm, good. Nice segue. <laughs> so this piece is called What the Crone Can Teach Us About Sexuality and the Deep Feminine. If you want to be a badass, sexually empowered woman, embrace your inner hag. That's right. The crone the ancient old woman, the witch, the hag. The crone archetype is an aspect of the feminine not associated with sexuality. Women groom themselves to be girls, the younger, the better. Paint those lips red and blush those cheeks like you are wet and ripe for impregnation. Make them believe you are in perpetual ovulation. Make them hard. Make them desire you. Get that facelift. Suck in that belly. Bat those lashes. Guess what? The crone doesn't give a fuck. And that is her power. She doesn't care about looking pretty. She embraces her spider lines and swinging, sagging flesh. After all, This is what life does to the body of a woman. Does that make you uncomfortable? Would you rather not see? They have tried to hide her, but she will not go away. They have tried to silence her because she knows what they do not want you to know. Her secret threatens to corrupt you. She can make you wild. She can reveal to you your power. Your volcanic, senseless, holy power. They don't want this, no. They want you to be nice and pretty and digestible. Easy to manipulate, groomed to be a sex toy or a sensual goddess if you're spiritual. Different drag, same game. They want to put you in their dollhouse. Be a good wife, be a good girl, be sexy. Be pretty for us. Be nice. She could ruin the whole game. Once she opens her mouth, the jig is up. So what do they do? They tell you she is crazy. She has lost her mind, poor old thing. Or maybe she is evil, dangerous. Yes, she is dangerous. Dangerous because she has broken out of that jail cell you call your home. You don't notice these bars you have been primping and polishing. 
how would you have sex if you didn't give a fuck about how pretty you look or how flat your stomach is? The crone is not an object of desire, and because of this, she is free. She is free to claim her own desire, to be the subject of desire. In a world that praises women for being objects of desire, where the more lust you can seduce, the more value you possess, the crone is laughing with that cackle that only women of power have. Her sex belongs to herself. She does not possess the enchanting beauty of the maiden or the fertile reproductive juices of the mother. They would like to throw her away for this. What good is a woman without sex we can use? She no longer bleeds. She no longer bears children. Her sex no longer waxes and wanes with the moon, gaining and draining energy with each passing tide. No, she is full. The portal to her blood has been sealed. She is drinking in the nectar. She is bathing in its luminous darkness. She is sitting inside of an alchemical bomb, a nuclear power source. Her sex is a diamond pressed and polished by years of cultivation. Her sex is what makes the wind move. Her sex is the core of her wisdom. She has passed through all the phases of initiation as a woman. She used to be wrapped in the same cloak of lies as you are in right now. That heavy web of social conditions all feminine creatures are baptized into. Be nice, smile, look pretty, be desired. No, she has unraveled herself from these webs. She has liberated her sex from all their stories. She has made it to the other side. She is free. And a free woman is a very dangerous woman. What good is a woman who isn't desired by men? Without the ability to be a mother or a sex object, what is left of a woman and her sex? I'll tell you what. Pure power that doesn't give a fuck. Crazy wisdom that knows how to make love to the moment to be penetrated by existence. Sex that ripples through every cell of your body. Sex that pulses with every tiny whisper of life knowing life. If you want to find the seat of your sexual power, your real deep sovereign sexual nature, find the crone that lives in you. Let her unravel your false beliefs, all the lies they told you. They told you men know about sex. Just let them lead, they said. They'll know what to do. They tried to turn you into pornography. They tried to make you appealing to look at. They shoved strange sounds down your throat and called it female orgasm. They told you how to be sexy so you could have good sex, as though the image was the point. Put on a good show. Be loud, but not too loud. Don't be a prude. Don't be a slut. They wrapped you in so much pretty packaging, you forgot to feel inside. They gave you the right shade of lipstick for the perfect blowjob. They gave you straight lines when your true language is a circle. 
The crone will draw her dagger and slay all that noise. She will cut through the tight corset that has been suffocating you. She will make you wild. And that's how your sex is meant to be. Wild, ugly, innocent, real. Erupting from the deep. Love you can taste from the inside out. It is inside you, woman. It has always been inside you. This is no Cosmo magazine sexuality. You must forget everything they told you. Turn inside. The real initiation begins here. Welcome to the temple of your sex. The crone is here, waiting for you to begin. Hmm. Hmm. Ah, Maya, there is so much of that unraveling mm. here also. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I get from this crone archetype more maybe than anything else is the shedding of all of the things we're supposed to be. Yes. And this distortion of sexuality. Yeah. You know, this very distorted, pornographic, image-based, performance-based, agenda-based, you know, even, even some of the, the movements in sacred sexuality still have the same agenda. It's like, okay, now you've got to, you know, have female ejaculation and you've got to have multiple orgasms and you've got to have <laughs> energetic orgasms and, you know, all of this. Um, Instead of the turning inside. Yes, and the meeting of the real. Mm -hmm. And what strikes me as I was listening to you read it, I heard it differently than when I've read it to myself. Mm. Um, and I, I was thinking about so many different clients of mine who come through my office. And male or female, I know that you've written this for the woman. We're talking about the deep feminine. Mm. And yet I feel like energetically there are so many men that need this too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Men, you know, just as women have been conditioned to associate our value with our attractiveness, mm -hmm. right? how young and pretty we look, yeah. how much desire we can elicit, um, men have their version, right? How, how much money they make, how strong they are, how resilient they can be, how tough they are how much sex they have. It just go, it goes on and on and on for all of us. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, to, to be taught, to, to hear the words that we can tap into our power by turning within. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that deep eruption, <laughs> you know, that, that dangerousness um, and how that dangerousness, that wildness can be something that, that can taste so good. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of what was so moving for, for many women and my guess on why this piece was so wildly popular, it's the most popular thing I've ever written by far, is because women really fear aging because they fear they will lose their power. Yeah. 
because there's a false power that we wield in our attractiveness to manipulate. And so there's a deep fear of losing that power. And I think women are very hungry to know that their true power is not that. What's coming to me right now, Maya, is is that that's somehow linked to the impermanence, right? That 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 yeah, right. Because, because the, the power that they're so afraid of losing is the one that's impermanent. Yeah, and the one that is deep within inside that well. Yeah, one that it's always been. That's right. Yeah, I have. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know I had I had a couple of. Well, first of all, I had so many women in their 60s, 70s reaching out to me and saying that I really accurately described their experience of this passageway, which was such an honor, you know, as someone who's in her mid 30s, you know, who felt a little bit shy about even, you know, being as presumptuous as I have been to talk about being a crone. Um, so that was really moving, but, but there was also a little bit of pushback. There were, there were a few women that I could feel were kind of like, well, you know, we can still like you look young and healthy and take care of our bodies. And you talk about this impermanence, you know, and it's like, it's, it, it runs so deep, this denial of impermanence and death, right? It's like, yeah, of course we can take care of our bodies and it's gonna break down. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually it will break down. <laughs> There's no way around that. Um, and to embrace that and to welcome that and to surrender and allow the loss of that false power of the sexy, pretty, young image that has been so connected to our value and so connected to what we think sexuality is about. You know? I'm thinking that, you know, in so many ways, that value system is connected to keeping us small, to keeping us young, to keeping us naive, to keeping us into something like, like you say in this poem that can be um, molded into what they want, Mm. whoever they are, they being, you know, um, those who want more control over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm actually feeling to share in this moment. Um, a very powerful experience I had um, in a dream recently where I I feel I was initiated. And I think it's because of the work that I'm doing in this deep feminine mystery school um, that I've created and I'm stewarding. I had a dream where I was initiated into, I think the collective consciousness of the wounded feminine. Mm. And it's a very precious dream, and I and I don't know if I want to share it fully. I'm kind of sitting with it, but I, I do want to say that the archetype of the anorexic was very prominent. Mm-hmm. And if you just feel my experience of the dream, it was like the collective feminine on some level is an anorexic woman, right? trying to um, be perfect, be skin and bone, suppress, be small, be, you know, the anorexia is very much about control. It's very much about getting rid of the womanly, curvaceous bigness of the body, right? And disappearing into this um, small, hyper-controlled 
clean, pristine, right? And it was like the collective psyche of woman was so, so desiring to erupt into the fullness of her messy, round, full, effulgent, like dripping, you know, this like writhing truth, which is the feminine. And so um, the tension of that suppression was so intense in in the dream. You know, it was just like this psychic pressure. Um, Yeah, go ahead. I'm just, I'm kind of tasting that nectar that you talk about and thinking about this kind of, uh, this other archetype that you're bringing up, this anorexic archetype, and just where the nectar fits or doesn't fit there, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's the thing that's being withheld. Yes, the starvation from the nectar. That's right. That's right. And this is why, you know, the, the deep feminine, it's like, it gets a little bit confusing these days because we want to associate it with gender. But the truth is that the feminine, capital F, is a current of reality that all human beings have access to and can open to. Mm. And in the tantric teachings, what the feminine current is, is it's how we know God as a direct experience, as a nectar that we can taste, not as an idea, but as a felt lived direct experience. And this is what made Tantra so radical and so different from other religions, which are more about denying the body and transcending and, you know, praying to a God out there. Tantra saying, no, 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 come down, come down into the feminine, come down into the body, come down into feeling, come down to the senses. God is there. That is the portal. And that's the nectar that you keep referring to, right? Yeah. That's that's the presence. That's the power. That's the space of of reconnecting. That's right. Yeah. And it's the nourishment. And so circling back to the the beginning of our conversation with this this way that we've all been conditioned into a hyper masculine, you know, go, 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 do, do, do. Um if that masculine doing part of us is not in service to the feminine that we access through slowing down, letting go, being, tasting the nectar, um, he's lost. He's purposeless. And I think that's why we're burning the world down. You know, it's, it's a kind of madness, right? Because it's like hungry to get something. It's almost like through our doing and our building, we're trying to get at the nectar. Like, if I just do this and I just do that, I'm going to get at the nectar. I'm going to get at that feeling of fulfillment. You know, we're so hungry for fulfillment. And yet the fulfillment happens when we drop back and down and in. And it's right here and it's instantaneously available. Can you, we've talked before, before we started recording, I'm wondering if this would be a good opportunity Mm. for us to talk about the four gateways into the feminine. Perfect, perfect timing. You mm. call this a micro practice. It can be. It can be a micro practice. I also like to do it for hours sometimes. Mm-hmm. So um, it can be either. And and again, it is can be applied to love making and can transform love making. Mm. 
into an exquisite, deep, divine, loving union meditation. And it can also be applied to your moment by moment experience in life. Because this is how you slow down and make those moments longer. Yes, exactly. So this is what I call the surrender process. And it's a process of opening to the deep feminine current, to this place where we get to meet that tantric nectar of aliveness and intimacy with our own being and the moment and another. And it's very, very simple. And its simplicity hides its profundity. <laughs> That's most good things do. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll just take us through a, a little mini version. Um, should our listeners be sitting right now? Should they, what, how should um, they be hearing this? Yeah, I think... I think sitting down and closing your eyes if you have the ability to. Um, but, you know, even if you're like out and about, even if you're driving your car, <laughs> try it, keep your eyes open, <laughs> but, but, but try it and just see what a micro version will do for you. Yeah. Because this practice can be done on various levels of depth. You can do it at a, shallow level you can do it at a very 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 deep level you can do it in five minutes you can do it in an hour um, and it has different textures of experience that open depending on how deep you go yeah so this is the surrender process the four gateways to the deep feminine hmm And the first thing is to slow down your pace inside a little bit. And the way that I like to slow down my pace is that I, I, I stretch out my moments so that they feel longer. Another way is by dropping into the spaces between my moments. And that doesn't need to make sense to your mind. You can just play with it intuitively because some part of you knows how to do that. And sometimes a nice big breath slowing down a little bit. And so the first gateway is to really relax the face, literally dropping all facial expressions, letting your bottom lip open slightly so that your breath is coming in and out of your mouth. You want to actually feel that 
it's like the mask of your face is dropping, kind of melting off. And the reason this is so important is that we put so much energy and attention on our face as our identity. And so when we really give ourselves permission to completely let go of the face, we automatically drop down into a deeper experience of ourselves, into the one that's underneath that mask, that intimate one that's close in. Just feeling what happens when you drop the mask of the face, when you let the bottom lip open. And then the second gateway is to really surrender the belly, to notice all the subtle little ways that we clench and suck in and hold the belly, and to just liberate that space, to let the belly open, to let it hang. And you might notice that what we're doing also is we're dropping our protection, right? So the clenched jaw is a form of protection. So when we open our mouth, we open into more vulnerability, more feeling. And the clenched belly is a form of protection. So when we soften that, we open into more vulnerability. But that courage and that willingness to be vulnerable and feel is the greatest power that we have. And this is how we meet the moment rather than defend against it. So keeping the face really soft mouth gently open, the belly relaxed. The third gateway is to inhabit the back of the body, literally the space inside, the back of the head, the back of the heart, the back of the pelvis. And as you do that, Feel that you're kind of resting back into the depth of yourself. Like you're resting back into your own throne. Letting go of your attachment to the surface plane and residing just a little bit more in the back. You really feel how the back of your body is also filled with you, that you live here, you inhabit this space. And this is a big one because the front plane of the body is where we experience our doing, which can also be reaching, grasping, controlling. The back of the body is where we experience being.
Just continuously letting go of the face, letting go of the belly. And really feeling that sense of resting back in the deep in the back body. And then the fourth gateway is to allow your spine to move as though it's a piece of seaweed at the bottom of the ocean. You can just imagine how a piece of seaweed would sway and twist and curve. And you want to do this very slowly. And you're just tuning into the suppleness of your spine. There's a softness. Suppleness to your spine. And, and the most important part is to feel. Feel what happens when you allow your spine to subtly curve and twist and bend and sway. Letting yourself be available to receive the deliciousness of that letting go. And it's also beautiful to really notice that there are parts of you that resist. There are parts of you that want to hold on. And there's a deep, deep part of you that yearns to let go, that just longs to surrender into this moment, to let this moment in deeply to receive. So as you move your spine, you just keep dropping the face and the belly and resting in the back body. This is a feminine meditation on, on feeling. Hmm. And you're just meeting all the little subtle sensations and feelings that arise, welcoming them in. And I feel called to ask you, Rebecca, as you're exploring this right now, what do you experience shifting in your experience of reality here? There's so many things. Words always are the hard thing for me to come back into. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm. for me, it's very much process of feeling where I'm wound tight mm. and a process of um, I found myself at one point putting my hands on my belly and just loving her yeah you know like um, 
I, I kind of met myself again in, yeah. a, in a way that maybe I don't do often. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, that's and I, delicious. Yeah. And, and so that opened to me today, but you know, I've, you've taught me this a while back and there's still, there's so much to open to every time I practice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's also, um, there's a sweetness that comes through yeah. in the sensations, you know, like even in taste, there's a sweetness that yeah. starts to open up. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. And I, I already spoke to this, but I, I'm called in this moment to highlight it again, which is that you know, a lot of spiritual teachings talk about um, how it's already right here, right? And we get that intellectually, right? (laughs) Makes sense. But what I find so exquisite about, you know, the real jewel of the tantric teachings and what this surrender process, this four gateways to the feminine embodied meditation is intended to open is that the fulfillment that we are chasing with our goals, with our achievements, with our desires, with our addictions, with our passions, if you really look at it, all of our doing is an attempt to experience fulfillment, the fullness of the soul, the fullness of love, the intimacy with life, the feeling of satisfaction. And the truth is that that feeling of fulfillment and satisfaction is available unconditionally in every moment, no matter what. And we experience it through this technology of slowing down, opening the body and surrendering. And then it's right there. Mm. And again, this is where the masculine can transform into, you know, it's like when our doing is no longer a hungry ghost trying to chase fulfillment, that it can never quite be satisfied. We end up running ourselves ragged. We end up destroying the earth. But rather, when we can allow the feminine, drop into that feminine current, experience that deep fulfillment anytime, anywhere, then our doing comes from love. It comes from inspiration. It comes from passion. It comes because that's just what love does. Does it make sense? So much. Yeah. So that's what I really believe is the divine union, is, mm-hmm. is the masculine doing is fed, already fed by that nourishment of the deep feminine. Not so that, starved from it. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So that then our linear doing comes from love, inspiration, life-giving, rather than the hungry ghost chasing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think, you know, you, you brought up an, an archetype of, um, sorry, my words haven't all come back yet. <coughs> mm, okay. <laughs> a little while to like get back into a headspace from the body. Yeah. And I want to, I want to invite you to see if you can stay in that space and yeah. see how words flow, you know, and, and let it be kind of maybe unfamiliar and vulnerable because yeah. it is that, that union of using our masculine head to, while we're dropped in <laughs> to the feminine, it can feel a little like walking on ice at first. Mm, thank you wobbly. for that invitation. Yeah. Okay. So what, what came to me was you had been talking about this anorexic archetype. Yes, exactly. And I'm also thinking of a more, um, an archetype who just wants to devour everything. He wants to like a binging, a taking everything in, a yeah, like an, an overdoing it all. Um, which I also think is really rampant in our society. You know, we buy so much, we we try to feed ourselves with all these things, and yes, um, none and, of and I would say us. that's right. And I would say that's because on the collective level of our psyche, we are so hungry for the feminine. Mm-hmm. Like we're so, so, so hungry for her. And so we, yeah. we actually get it through um, matter and addictions, right? It's like a, it's yeah. a very misguided uh, experience of the feminine. So, so much. Yeah. There is another thing that came to me. I have, I have a few. <laughs> yeah. Bring it um, on. Okay. So there's this quote that's, that I've held in my heart in a really deep place since I first read it decades ago. Um, And I realized as we were doing this feminine meditation that the reason I'm holding it there is because I think it speaks to the same energy, same current. Mm. So this is a quote um, by Viktor Frankl from Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. And he says, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space, lies our power to choose our response and in our response lies our growth and our freedom no <laughs> same current right absolutely yeah yeah that's really good mm-hmm. it's really good yeah the feminine is like you know i see the masculine consciousness as literally what we're conscious of it's our our directionality our focus yeah. Um, the feminine is like the liminal in between. It's dream time. It's the spaces in between the moments. It's the pause in between the breath. And that is the space that is brimming with this fertile creativity and life. Yeah. And it's always here. And there's actually a way that we can position our bodies and our consciousness to drop into those waters and then when we do it's just like oh that's so good (laughs) so nice here (laughs) i think this also brings up how this all comes together right in in the everyday moments Mm -hmm. because in this book man's search for meaning victor frankel was a survivor of the holocaust and he was talking about this experience that happens um 
like where we still have freedoms, even when it feels we have none. Oh, wow. Right. And so, um, so he's oh. talking about that space between. Yes. And, and I think this is a good reminder that for all of us, we have these spaces in every moment of our day, of our life, of our relationships. We have these spaces Oh, oh. wow. I have chills everywhere. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually spend a lot of time thinking about that. Um, the ways that we're free even when we're not. Yeah. And um, I, I had a trial recently where I was, um, I went through a really serious illness this year. And it was so challenging for me as someone who's so used to being in my body and being in my pleasure and tapping into that place of nourishment and flow, which is hard to do when you don't feel well. And hard to do. Yeah. Or when we're injured or when we're sick or when we're in pain. And, um, And I really took it as an initiation to, you know, this long quest that I've had to discover the freedom, even when we're not free, right? The eternal freedom that can never be taken away. And what I've found is that, and I'm even noticing it now because I woke up this morning and I was a little bit under-rested and kind of just a little, and I didn't have time to do my practice before we got on our call. So I was just feeling a little like ragged around the edges. And just those like three minutes of doing the surrender process just now, yeah, I feel so good in my body. And it's because when we meet what's actually here, even if it's pain and discomfort, the intimacy of that and the love of that and the nectar of that is so nourishing. It's so nourishing. It's really amazing how it works. Like... Mm. It's incredible, even even uncomfortable sensations when we when we drop our tension patterns of resistance to the moment, to experiencing the moment, and actually let the moment in, let ourselves be penetrated by it. It's nectar. <sighs> yeah, and what a gift, you know, what a gift that we we have this technology in our bodies that is so divine, you know, and so accessible. This technology to slow down, to mm. drop in between the moments, to taste that nectar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maya, I want to really thank you right now for making this so tangible for our listeners. Mm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm such a big believer of that. I mean, my, I would, I would say my core Tantra teacher, um, who's Daniel Odia, you know, his, his take on Tantra is so radically simple and it's that, um, it's our natural way of being our, the natural state of our bodies is one of pleasure, joy, innocence, openness, aliveness. Receptivity. 
Receptivity, yeah, suppleness. That's it's our natural state. It's our birthright, and we have a lot of like contortions and conditionings that are over top of it. But it's not like this big, you know, elite awakening thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's like we know something deep inside of us knows how to be in the moment in this way, mm-hmm. and it's it's profoundly dignified and simple and accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Maya, I want to invite you to share with our listeners what you have coming up because I know that you do have a, an online course opening up Ooh. to to invite people into this deep feminine to go even yeah. deeper than we've gone today. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so the Deep Feminine Mystery School is um, really years of my own immersion into the feminine and into Tantra um, and what I've cultivated in my own exploration and studies. And so far I've been doing uh, women's workshops in person, which is how I met you, Rebecca. And I intend to do groups for men and women in the future. Um, But I have an online course coming up October 11th that's um, just for women, female-identified people. Um, And it's called Holy Fire Resurrecting the Deep Feminine. And if I had to just give a little snippet of what it's about and what we're going to be exploring. Hmm... I'm really passionate to share with women what the history of the deep feminine has been on planet Earth because there was a time prior to our um, swing into the hypermasculine polarity where the feminine principle was venerated, you know, where the images of God and the divine were big breasted, big bellied goddesses, you know. Um, and that that veneration of the feminine was deeply sacred, spiritual, and deeply erotic and sensual at the same time. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was no split between those polarities. And we live in a world now that has a major split in those polarities. And I am so passionate about unifying that split Mm -hmm. and um you know all of us experience that split between the sacred and the sexual but it plays all the way down into our separation between the body and god you know or our humanity and our divinity or um you know our connection to the earth right It, it it goes all the way down to the roots And um, one of the ways that this split manifests is, I I think it was Freud that termed, that coined this term. It's called the Madonna whore split. And it's this, this aspect in the collective psyche where woman is seen as either sexual or sacred and holy and respectable. 
and never the two shall meet, right? And so women wrestle with this polarity their whole life, right? Because we have the sexuality, but there's something really deeply unconscious that um, exists in the human psyche that female sexuality is dangerous, dirty, wrong, forbidden, um, degraded. Uh, and so we might want to claim that back, but we also want to be whole and human and holy, right? And we want, we want to know that we are both and that at, at the core, those two are not separate things. And for me, what happens when a woman unifies that split in herself, it doesn't just transform her sexuality, it transforms her experience of embodying the deep feminine, of being able to receive the nectar of existence, which is this incredibly holy, sacred, erotic experience of being alive. This deep, open surrender into the moment. This tantric lovemaking with the moment itself, knowing God as a direct experience. Mm. And it's my belief that, you know, all humans are hungry for this, but it's women who can lead the way. It's women who are here to help bring that energy back, literally to plant it on the ground again. There's something about planting it onto the earth that intuitively I feel is so necessary right now. So people can find you at deepfemininemysteryschool.com and we'll include a link to that um, and to the, your course in our mm. show notes. Um, yeah. That would be the best way for them to learn about this particular course. Absolutely. Um, you can find my poetry at depravedanddivine.com as well. Um, but if you enjoyed the practice that I shared at the, the deepfeminemysteryschool.com site, I believe you can sign up and, and gain access to a free recording of that practice. So that's there as well. Thank you, Maya. Mm-hmm. You know, as I as I um, put this episode together and I wrap it up to um, share with you something that's been going through my mind is how much I'm embodying myself as I am in a deeper way. I don't know. You know, Maya talks about that um, um, the suppleness, that nectar. There's something more of um, of a deep knowing that helps me to just kind of hold myself. I think that this is part of that birthright that Maya talks about. Um, And I think it's also part of the birthright that we talk about in other ways. One of my mentors, Terry Real, when when we're talking about things like self-esteem and relational work, we talk about how self-esteem, when it's healthy, it comes from this place of knowing that we're inherently worthy versus coming from a more externalized place, you know, the things we can gain, the things we can do, the things we've accomplished, the things we've achieved, whether or not people like us. <laughs> and that internalized place that that feels like it connects to what we've been talking about here today. And I'd love to hear how this episode and others connect for you. While this discussion may guide you into the connectfulness practice, 
It's not meant to be a substitute for counseling with a licensed provider. Reach out and initiate the ripple. Learn more about my counseling practice and my collective for therapists in private practice at connectfulness.com. This episode was brought to you by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a simple, secure EHR platform that keeps you organized and creates a container for all the details that run your private practice so that you can tend to what really matters. Use the promo code CONNECTFULNESS and get two months free when you sign up at therapynotes.com. I want to express deep gratitude for Sarah and Chris Ferris, the musicians behind the delicious soundtrack for the Connectfulness podcast, which was recorded and mixed at Kidney Stone Studio. And the spoken word poetry that we played in the beginning of the episode was Maya Luna's All of You from her album, Holy Darkness, a tantric opus. Thank you, Maya, for letting us share it with our listeners. Next month on the Connectfulness Practice Podcast, we'll be talking with Hedy Schleffer about unraveling the survival knot. Please join us. Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events.